I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. February 14th, 1998. Sixth grade. Dear diary. Dear Jesus. Dear sweet asswad. Adults sharing the embarrassing things they created as kids. So I wrote poems about masturbation. Before an audience of total strangers. I feel like an idiot. I'm the only normal one in my entire family. Mom, you can't read this. These are the stories hidden inside the pages of our past. You're listening to The Mortified Podcast. I'm Dave, and today's episode peeks inside the journals of a teenager whose biggest thrill was playing puck in a Midsummer Night's Dream. The classic stereotype of a teenage boy is that of a confused, caged animal with a one-track mind. And today's reader, Daryl, is no different in that his thoughts are dominated by a newfound fixation on the female form, or, as he delicately put it when we spoke with him, This intense horny teenage desire to, like, see a boob. But here's the thing that stereotype leaves out. Teenagers like Daryl also have a romantic side that battles for dominance in the developing brain. The hopeless romantic and the horny teenager were the devil and the angel on my shoulders. In his case, all he wanted was to find the girl of his dreams. So he bucked the odds and set out to find her, despite one tiny flaw in logic. I don't know what I would have done with a girl had I started to date her at that moment. Here's Daryl on stage at the New Parish in Oakland. Being a theatrical person, I would think that my life was a play or a movie, so I would write to myself as if it was a play or a movie. And I also wrote to a future unknown audience, (laughs) secretly hoping that someday someone would realize that the contents of my journal were literary gold. So here is my teenage search for love and understanding of the complexity of women. January 4th, ladies and gentlemen. Did I have an experience tonight? When it comes to making out, or kissing rather, I'm not that much of a veteran. But if you count time involved in a kiss, I think I just broke the frickin' record. One Alyssa was the sister of a friend of mine. We walked in her backyard a bit and talked, but as if in a romantic love story, it began to rain and we sought shelter in a shed. (laughs) 
Man, I sucked on her tongue like a popsicle. It was like eating a lollipop. Lick, lick, lick. Tongues in and out, mouths all over each other. We, we would have kept going for another hour if my mom hadn't called for me. My mouth was numb. I could barely move my jaw. Now that's action. And then a few months into the semester, everything changed for Daryl when he saw a girl who could only be described as... An angel that had descended from heaven and landed in the seat behind me. And I developed this crush in an English class. In fact, we read Romeo and Juliet in that class. So it probably didn't help that I was reading like classic love stories and then look, looking up from Act 5 of Romeo and Juliet and seeing her and being like, oh, I'd die for you too. March 27th, Molly Wilson. Molly sits behind me in my advanced English one class. She is shorter than me, which makes it easier for her to seek comfort in me. She wears her hair short. It is parted slightly in the middle and grows and lays in the shape of her head. It curves around to meet her cheeks where most hair would lie straight. She wears no makeup except for a dusting of lavender eyeshadow. A nose that is small and firm. Her skin is pale, but not unhealthy. Like the color of a wild white rabbit. Should I ask her to join me for something teenager-like for an evening? Or might I get a, I'm sorry, Daryl, but then I'm not the dating type. So I am damn stuck. So this, the following is a poetic reinterpretation of me telling Molly that I liked her. Will you love me, I asked. There she sat, those eyes with false feelings. While I drifted into thoughts that distracted me, such as, in France, they say the best breasts fit into a champagne glass. I lose her stare and I say, I bet those would fit. <laughs> Never at 15, one should say, will you love me? <laughs> December 11th. Ah, journal time again. Again? What? Who? Of course. What could it be? Is it? No. Yes. And it's entitled, what the flying fuck is up with women? Now there's a topic, women assisting men's problems everywhere. And my woman, well damn, she's not mine, but my friend, will you hear a lot about her? It's Molly, Molly Wilson, the love of my life. How long have I liked her? Let's see, 11 months. Yikes, what has happened between me and her? Nothing, nada, zero, zip. At least I hope though, I hope. What do these signs mean? Oh man, I think we could bond greatly. Damn it, man, she's gorgeous too. Whoo, I mean it. Whoa, Led Zeppelin just came on the radio. Cashmere, aren't they a great band? Anyway, back to the biggest mystery of the universe. Alas, begins my journey down the road of anti-understanding, the road of misconception, the path of poor judgment, the walkway of what? The stroll of suffering exploration of Molly.
hey, I'm a teenager. Everything is so fucked up that I can act as mature as a grown-up while giving in to masturbation because there's a supermodel with a husband that has the same middle name as me. But isn't being a teenager great? Oh, yes. You know what I want to see? A hot chick naked. Yeah! <laughs> Ack! Perversion! Daryl, grow up! <laughs> Thursday, December 14th. What could I write about that would be provocative? Oh, I know. I'm excited about getting a blowjob. When the time comes, that is. I've heard it's pretty cool. I think it's something to look forward to. I mean, think, having a woman's head in your crotch? Phew, sucking on your wang? Man, that's gotta be awesome. In fact, I'm getting a boner just thinking about it. Friday, December 15th. I finished a report about the Quakers earlier tonight. Man, are they boring. They don't do anything. They are a boring bunch of people. Now, for a discussion about a mystery of the universe. Women. I find myself having thoughts about Molly tonight. For me, it all comes down to this, honestly. I really like her. I care for her. I like her for her brain. That's not a lie, that's the fucking truth. I hope this doesn't sound like obsession. It's just as far as I know about love, this is the closest yet. Oh yeah, well, Bush is our president, the world's going to big Texas hell. Thursday, February 2nd. Oh journal, how I love thee. How I can place my intimate thoughts in you and you keep them. Ah yes, it's time for hot women commentary. Anywho, one thing I really like about Katya is her boobs. Yes, indeedy. They're gorgeous. I watch them sometimes. They are very free. They're not firm. And considering her skin tone and that she probably doesn't tan naked, they must be milky white. I imagine them like that. When the penis in the back of my brain, I imagine being with her and fondling her breasts. Wow, getting a boner? See, with women, I try to be noble and respectful. Let's see, if I have an opportunity with a woman, well, girl, I would pass it up because I don't want to succumb to perversion and do something irrational. And if the opportunity means packing heat in a woman's meat, I would pass it up because of the risks and because all those videos you watch in middle school. <clears throat> so in conclusion, the end. Tuesday, February 20th. Today at lunch was exciting. This hot chick who I'd love to score with, her name is Megan. Anyway, I was feeding her slushy, you know, the icy stuff. It was cool, because sometimes she would miss, or I would miss, and it would splatter all over her. What was awesome was when we had to go to class, she was all wet from slushy, and I got to wipe it off her chest with my sweatshirt. Major score. <laughs> so I think that Molly had eventually changed her hairstyle and clothes and started hanging out with a new crowd and whatever, and 
So this gave me the clarity and the opportunity to get over her and essentially in, in true dramatic fashion to end my relationship with her. <laughs> Wednesday, February 21st. Yes, I am prepared to ramble on about Molly again because she plagues me so. Oh, when we were freshmen, it was so childish and lively and innocent. I met her in English class. Nothing in the world, no computer, Palm Pilot, internet, can create the feeling instilled by a cool spring wind through a window into a boring classroom. The life and freedom felt in that wind reminds me of Molly. She was so pure, beautiful, happy, innocent, and bright, and I loved her. But Molly has changed. She is no longer bright. Where she went, I don't know. To this day, not a whim of a relationship on the romantic level existed between us, and she has never known of the depth of thoughts I have put into her. Molly is dead. The Molly I fell in love with is gone. A brand new one has replaced her. She will remain the dead Molly, for that one is gone, and I will never let go, and she will never know. Goodbye, Molly. Thank you. That was Daryl, reading aloud his childhood writings with no embellishing, no exaggerating, just God-given awkwardness, on stage at Oakland at the New Parish. Some of the names heard in today's episode have been changed for sake of privacy. And stick around. There's more to the stories we chat with today's reader in our postmortem. Fide. We caught up with Daryl recently, who cooked up a conspiracy about whether or not his high school English teacher was really to blame for his torturous crush on Molly. You know, you, that's probably why the school systems do this. They probably time Romeo and Juliet for puberty, make the maximum Shakespearean effect on your psyche, you know. Adding insult to injury, Daryl also had to witness Molly dating his friends. I was so mad because I thought I was way funnier than this guy. I'm kind of better looking. And he would come into our classroom where I had class with her, where she sat next to me. And so I'd be sitting there goofing around with her and laughing. And then he'd come in and be like, hey, what's up? You ready to go? She's like, oh yeah, I'm ready. And I just kind of sit there like, hey, what's up, dude? I'll see you at practice, choir practice later. He's like, okay. (laughs) As Daryl alluded to in his journal, there was one moment that helped him realize he and Molly were never going to be star-crossed lovers. I was at lunch and I always hung out in this place called the Courtyard, which was sort of where the nerds hung out. You could see the cool kids from the Courtyard over there, and that's where she was. And she had, like, green pants on or something like that, or, like, she had dyed her hair red, and I was like, oh, no, she's changed. There she is. And she was laughing. She was having a good time. I think probably at that point I wasn't over her, but now I have to be. Maybe I needed to write her a eulogy Or maybe it was good that she seemed different because I could then justify moving on myself and just getting over it and start paying attention to other things or other people. When he finally did get over Molly, it was like a cloud had lifted. And what happened next was straight out of the movies, a real-life version of the 80s classic Some Kind of Wonderful. It probably took a couple months to cycle through the, the real feelings, the real thoughts, and the real sort of heartbrokenness. But, you know, I ended up dating the girl who I kissed at the beginning of the story, who (laughs) was my neighbor. And 
who I saw all the time. And I think I had to get over Molly fully in order to see this other girl who was right in front of me. And we ended up dating for, I don't know, a year and a half in high school. I think to an extent that, you know, when you're pining after someone so hard, you probably don't realize, you know, the people who are pining after you. It's as if people have a gaze that only points in one direction, like a big flashlight, and they kind of wave it around. And if you catch the gaze at the same time, that's when you know. And here's the kicker. At the very end of high school, Daryl did end up going on one date with Molly. Well, sort of. You know, I actually, I did end up going to prom with her, as a matter of fact, as friends. She asked me if it was okay if she invite our friend, our mutual friend, to go to prom with both of us. So I ended up going to prom my senior year with two girls. And I got prom king, too. So, happy ending. To share the shame, follow us on Facebook or Twitter or visit GetMortified.com to learn about Mortified stage shows, books, films, and beyond. Click participate, and who knows, maybe you'll appear on a future episode of this series. And don't forget, we are looking for people in London, Dublin, and Paris. You'll see it all right there on that website. Now, as many of you know, the Mortified Podcast is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, which is made possible with support from the Knight Foundation and also MailChimp, who celebrate creativity, chaos, and teamwork. Of course, if your organization is interested in supporting our podcast, well, we'd love that. Email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. Our podcast production team for this episode includes Kathy Tu, Pierce Purcelli, Neil Ketcher, and myself, Dave Nadelberg. Music by Gordon Bash, Alex Burke, Adam Smith, and Snake, Snake, Snakes. Additional thanks to Melanie Merritt, The New Parish, Scott Lifton, Heather Van Atta, Lance Roberts, thanks for the studio space, and all the dedicated Mortified live producers whose work make the stage show possible. Until next time, we remind you that we are freaks, we are fragile, and we all survived. My Rubik's Cube keychain broke. Well, back to the old skee-ball grind.